Welcome to another Pro Football Doc podcast. And yes, it is Pro Football Doc, but you know we cover a bunch of different sports. And uh, had to get this special guest on today. We'll cover football, we'll cover some basketball, but what we talk about is injuries. And there have been a lot of injuries on uh, in uh, UFC recently. So I had the fortune of running into my friend and superstar UFC fighter. No one knows more about injuries giving out the injuries, <laughs> of course, then uh, Chuck Liddell. Welcome to the show, Pro Football Doc Podcast. Chuck, uh, thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me, man. How are you doing? I'm doing good. So did you end up winning at opening day or no? Uh, I actually have broke even, which I guess is all right when, you go, when you're at the track. So it's a win. <laughs> having fun out there. Had a good time and, uh, and didn't, didn't lose big, so we're good. Well, that's good. If you didn't lose big, then that's definitely a win if you, if you didn't lose big there. So um, one quick question off the bat. How do you, how, how do you get through life? Like, like everywhere you go, people know who, who you are, right? And uh, you're a big guy and you're noticeable and everyone knows where you, where, where you, you go. And, and one of the things is I was chatting with you at the track and then I was getting grief from my uh, wife and, and others because Apparently, I don't know if you can see it, but some Instagram model, you know, tweeted a picture of her or put a picture up of her with you in the background saying, what's up, Chuck? And meanwhile, I got thrown under the bus because <laughs> 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 my wife said, what are you doing there? I said, like, I don't know. I don't even know who that girl is. But <laughs> No, that stuff happens all the time, but it is what it is. I mean, I, I you know, I think uh, my wife's used to it, so <laughs> it's not a big deal. <laughs> All good, all good. So we were talking a little bit. I wanted to share and chat a little bit about recently, it seems like a lot of significant injuries. I mean, look, it's UFC. There's always injuries, right? A lot of broken legs, you know, we talked from- Yeah, you know, that's. Yeah. I was going to ask you that question. Like, I mean, I, I don't know what, because I've only seen that a couple of times. I've been watching kickboxing and fighting since, you know, the early nineties, you know, I've been only seeing that kind of a break a couple of times. And it's, it's like, uh, you know, like the Anderson Silva break and then Chris Weidman getting the same break. That was, now that to me was crazy. That's the same break it happened in the opposite direction. Right. 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 I mean, there's no question. I mean, if you really look at it here, uh, like here's the, I'm putting it up on the screen here. Yeah. That's just, I mean, I, mean, I, I, I watched a couple of you break it down. There was a, you know, and I seen it. I went back and watched the fight again. And, you know, it looked like that first leg check when he turned his foot, kind of similar to the Anderson Silva one. You know, like that 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 short check that the, you do and it caught, looked like he caught him right on right on right on the bone right there. And uh, and then I guess later on that 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 front kick, I said, caught the elbow too. And that I mean, maybe it's just it's just a. And then his trainer, I think, said he had an injury from prior, a little bit, not a bad one, but he thought it was, wasn't that bad, but he had one from prior. And I think just the accumulation of impact and, you know, uh, and trauma was just an accumulation is what causes it to happen. Well, yeah. And, uh, you know, in medicine, we say some things often, weird things happen in threes, you know. So you had Anderson Silva, who a few years back, had a Paul George type tip fib fracture from a kick from Chris Weidman. And he came back to fight. 
And then years later, Chris Weidman, with his last year recently, last couple of months, had some, that yeah. same thing happen to him and surgery. And, and this one with Connor, I think, is a little different, especially how the actual moment it broke didn't really have any trauma except the weight of his own body. It wasn't direct trauma. So it does fit for what McGregor has said, that he had a stress fracture, stress fractures, he said, that UFC knew about, Dana White knew about, his doctors knew about. And so that probably causes a little bit of weakness. It's like a piece of wood with a small crack in it or a piece of concrete with a crack in it, right? That crack can propagate. And then maybe with that check that you said, and maybe again with that front kick, you know, it's broken more. That speaks to Connor's toughness, right? He kept fighting. It had to hurt like crazy, right? But I know you shrug because that's what you you guys do, right? I mean, that's what fighters. That's what fighters do to get to make it to that level. I mean, those guys that make it that level are tough guys. I mean, they're they're, they're gonna, and you're used to, you know, as long as as long as you can push off on it, you can use it. It works. You're like not worried about it. Okay, I, I'd always get you know, if someone gets hurt. I go, okay, is it hurt? Is it injury or is it just hurt? Oh, it just hurts. Okay, keep going. You know? Yeah, and, and I think. Your point is an excellent one that I would love to make. And it's true. Let me correct a little bit what you're saying, if you don't mind. It's not because you're a fighter, you're like that. It's because you're at the top levels of UFC, you're like that. Because if you're not, you wouldn't be there. Uh, here's what I always say um, in any sport, right? There's a weed out process. You know, in the game of golf, if you're not mentally tough, you're not going to get to the level of playing at the Masters. In the game of football, like people ask me, is your son going to play football? Are you going to let him? My wife still says no. I probably will. But between you and I, I mean, he just came off a baseball tournament, whatever. I don't know that he's going to like the contact, right? So I think it will weed itself out. And same with you and your sport. Like, I think people, you know, I hear all the time in football, like we'll talk about the second half of the podcast, Saquon Barkley, how's he doing? He's doing great if you were a regular human, but he's needs to be superhuman to play at that NFL and Saquon Barkley level, which he isn't yet, right? People don't realize that being a really good fighter in UFC and being a great fighter in UFC is a big deal. It's like the difference between a, 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 a five handicap golfer and a scratch golfer. It's huge. A difference between a scratch golfer and a professional golfer is huge. And as you speak to it, you don't just decide I'm a tough guy and fight and, and you train and you have to do all that. But to get up to that level, all you cats are different. <laughs> I mean, you're a different breed. I mean, you well, may be yeah, more different I mean, than most, that, but there's, you're all there's, different. Level, there's levels to anything. You know, it's, I always say like you, you could be a, you know, the B level fight, fight leagues. You could be a, a world beater down there and come up, come up to UFC and get set, set right back down. You know, I know a bunch of guys are like 20 and two. They've had, you know, 10 or 12 wins and then they make it in the UFC in the first fight in the UFC, they get knocked back down and they go in, they have 10 or 12 more wins and then they get, they get, go back up in the UFC and then they get knocked back down because they, they just, they just aren't ready to make that transition into that, that level of fighting. Yeah, and in, in the mental side, like I'm sure if Connor wants to return to fight, he can physically. Uh, just like Chris Weidman will if he wants to, and just like Anderson Silva did, even though it was late in his career. But even then, is it worth it? 
Are you making the money? And and there there also has to be a mental side to it too, right? How do you react to that injury? Do you still always worry? It? Well, that, yeah, I was talking to Anderson Silva actually about it after the Weidman one, and he was talking when he came back. It's like it's always in the back of your mind throwing that kick, and you just never quite throw that kick the same again because you're still worried about man, is it going to break this time? And you know, it's hard to get. It took a while to get over that. Yeah, and that's the same. You know, like I say, from any injury, let's say coming back from ACL, we were talking about Saquon, until he takes a bad hit on that knee, until he really something's to him in that knee, and he has that moment of, oh my gosh, it happened again. And he's able to dust himself off and realize it's okay. That barrier will always be there until Anderson Silva or whoever, Conor McGregor, Chris Weidman, kicked really hard again or fully lets go on a kick without apprehension and realizes it's okay. You got every athlete has that moment in my mind where you go until you really get it tested, where you, you know, it's okay. You think it's okay. You believe it's okay, but you can't be a UFC fighter or an NFL football player and just believe you have to know in your heart of hearts that everything is good to really give it your all and to do that. And I think, I think that's right. There's a big side to it mentally. Yeah. And I, I think I really think if Connor decides he, he wants to come back, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard that he doesn't, I don't think he needs the money after, you know, and, and it, he really has to come back because he want he really just wants to come back and prove it to himself. He can. Um, and, and, you know, he's, he's done, he's had been a champion, you know, he's done, he's done, he's done everything. I mean, I don't know that he wants to come back, you know, to, to want, that's a long road to come back from something like that. You know, at the end of your career when you haven't when you've done so much and you know you've made and you're comfortable well there's no question he's comfortable and financially in the whole deal but i don't know i don't know conor mcgregor but just seeing him and seeing his persona uh, i don't see how he goes out this way right yeah I mean, you know, I, <laughs> you I, know mean, I mean i'll i'll be excited to see if he if he makes that decision because i know he doesn't have to so if he makes that decision, I know it's because he wants to and he wants to prove something. Fight. And that's a Connor I want to watch fight. Yeah, it's not the money. It's it's he, you know, and, and I don't think you can get motivated by money. The, the amounts of money that's going around right now. I mean, you know, you don't I mean, if you're fighting for money, I, I don't see that working out very well. Uh, you know, I mean, the UFC is a different breed I, is, is my is my thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, we also chatted a little bit and I talked about here and, and I want to share your reaction to it. Uh, I was, I talked about how Connor McGregor's admission could lead to more uh, trouble. And what I mean by that is um, him saying that uh, right here, him saying that uh, there were stress fractures and, and everyone knew about it, et cetera. My whole thing about that is, I don't doubt at all that UFC knew about it. I don't doubt, and I'm not disparaging him anyway, that Dana White knows about it. I mean, he knows about everything. Uh, I don't doubt that the UFC doctor knew about it. I don't doubt that Conor McGregor knew about it. I sincerely doubt that the Nevada State Athletic Commission doctor knew about it or found out about it, because if he did, he well, wouldn't have let him fight. And yeah, so, but that, that's like, it's like coming to me and asking, you come, come to me in the corner and asking me, um, can you, are you, are you all right? Can you see? If I say, oh man, no, I can't see. I want out of the fight. If I want to fight, I'm going to say, I don't care if I, I'm seeing five of you. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm good. 
Yeah. No, 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 no question. And, and I, I agree a hundred percent. My point isn't that Connor's stress fractures weren't real. My point is when he signed the form and said, he said he was fine because you have to tell your injuries, tell your things and sign the form. The doctor couldn't detect a stress fracture like that. So that's how he passed. But but you're right. You're not going to tell them about that. I mean, uh, that's just yeah, the way I mean, me, me personally, I wouldn't tell them afterwards. If I if I decided to fight with something, I'm not going to complain about it after the fight, after the facts. Um, so I, I can't keep my story consistent. But I'm just saying, I as a fighter, I I'm trained, ready to fight. If I don't feel, if I feel I'm okay to fight with it, I'm going to fight. I, I I fought with a with a torn MCL. I tore it two weeks before a fight. I mean, if you, if I get kicked in that leg, I I, I mean, it just froze. I get, so speaking back to that point, you're right. I mean, um, a lot of times, you know, uh, whether it's a high school kid or an NFL guy, uh, uh, high school kid, when I say to them, you think you can play on this? They go, I think so. That means they're not good to go. And that mom and dad in the room are the ones pushing them to play on it. The ones that want to play on it are like, Oh yeah, I'm good to go. And they're limping. Oh yeah, I'm good to go. And they're the ones talking mom and dad and me into it. And the ones that are, as you say, looking for a way out, say, I can give it a try. I think so. And that's really saying. The funny thing is I I never, I, I think I've never, I never told, I wouldn't tell Danny either because I didn't want him to worry about it. So Dana never, <laughs> never, Dana never knew. I told him after I, I told my MCL a week week before this. It's like, <laughs> it's crazy, but uh, yeah, you know, it is what well, it is. Well, I think that's why I said everyone knows you're you're a little bit different in that, as you say, uh, if you decided to fight with it, you're living with it, and so to bring it up later doesn't change anything, and right. uh, you you are who you are, uh, genuine. I think that's why. People love you for 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 who you are. So, uh, how is the UFC world different now than when you were in your prime? Oh, the, well, there's a lot of differences. I mean, every everything's different. I mean, guys now are you know starting from when I got when I came into the sport. Geez, uh, we were just trying to learn how to train it. You know, how how can we train it? How can we do this? How can we do that? Um, now, now it's guys guys coming start starting from kids being doing mixed martial arts starting in gyms that are ready to go they got strength coaches you know nutritionists uh you know everything so it, it's it's come a long way and it's uh you know and been blew up we, i mean i remember trying to fight to get on the the leisure section of the, of, the, of the paper now now we're on you know we're fighting on espn or on fox and you know we're, we're all over i mean you're right nowadays people train and, and aspire to this. I mean, you just grew up and did it. And like, you, you didn't have nutritionists and all this other stuff and plyometrics guys and all those. You just did it. You loved it. Yeah. yeah. Different, yeah. different, different world. You were not, not to be negative, but you're not of the Jake Paul, whatever, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. It was a, it was, it was a good time. It was, it was fun growing up, growing up through that time. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, what do you got going on in your life now? What's coming up for you? Um, you know, I, I just don't doing my own thing. You know, just I still do a lot of a lot of appearances. I go around and do some movies. I, I'm I'm really like liking acting, getting into that. Um, you know, I got uh, my uh, YouTube show, No No Checks Given. That I'm working on. Uh, that's that's a lot of fun because it's 
basically me going and doing stuff I like to do. And uh, then just videotape me, video, videoing me doing stuff I like doing. So uh, that's a that's a lot of fun. You go up, blow things up, and fishing, and and you know, no, 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 no more fights. Uh, I'm retired. I'm retired. I'm you know, 51 now. Still, uh, still staying in shape, but I'm 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 tired. I gotcha, gotcha. And I think the acting thing would be perfect for you because I would imagine. There's a lot of roles out there that you wouldn't have to do that much acting. You could just be yourself. And that's yeah, there, that, those those are there are quite a bit of those. You know, I get, <laughs> you know it's like, yeah, go out there, go get into a punk. This guy, okay, well, no problem. Here we go. <laughs> you you don't have to ha you don't have to get into character for that. You could just be yourself. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm, I'm actually pretty laid back. So, but that, but I, I always get people ask me to scare their friends. So. You know, I've got a lot of practice going up and, and playing that part. <laughs> well, that, next time I run into you, I'll, I'll find a friend and talk to a friend for some reason. I like that one. <laughs> and, and tell me, that's a good one. Uh, thank you for the time. I appreciate making the time and good to see you, my friend. And My, uh, my pleasure, man. All right. Welcome back to part two of Pro Football Doc. I should do a, a, a teaser for the end. Um, all right. Thanks, Chuck. Appreciate it. Uh, we'll take a quick break and then we'll come back with the usual part two of Pro Football Doc. Welcome back. Part two of Pro Football Doc podcast. I've missed you guys. It's actually been a couple of weeks. You had uh, July 4th weekend and, you know, skip that, do the holidays and family. And then this last week, we did a different version, right? Uh, for those of you who saw it, I was fortunate enough to be involved in the Pony League World Series. West Zone, 8U, Machine Pitch, Pony, Pinto League World Series. There's my little son right there clowning around. Yes, this is me in baseball pants. I was fortunate enough to be their head coach and got a new crew of kids, added some kids, made it to the World Series. We actually won our pool, believe it or not. And uh, in addition to that, we uh, uh, made it to the semifinals of the World Series. So there's another picture. There's my son there clowning around. We had a baller chain for the kids, et cetera. We, 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 had, some, we had some good fun there. Um, nothing special, but that took me out of action last week, uh, other than that little mini podcast that we did from the field there. We finally, in the semifinals, ran into a buzzsaw. Uh, but, you know, one of my prouder moments is calling timeout, which I didn't do throughout the series because they're eight-year-old kids gathering them together when they were having a bad inning on the field and saying, guys, go have fun. Nothing to tell you, but I just wanted to come out and hand out some Skittles. So I gave all the kids some Skittles. I mean, they're eight. It was all about fun. We had a ton of fun with everybody. And uh, we're back at it, uh, regular uh, stuff now. And uh, thanks for uh, watching. And uh, I think that Chuck Liddell piece was... I thought it was cool just chatting with him. I thought you'd want to hear about his points of view of some, some things. So I wanted to get into first NBA finals, just to talk about a few things here, NBA finals. Now, yes, I wrote this 20 days ago, Gianna's season likely over. Now, what I said in this when he hyperextended his knee is that A, he did not have an ACL tear, which was true. B, he was going to miss the rest of the 
Eastern Conference Finals, which he did. And yes, here's where I was wrong. I thought that he would likely miss the rest of the, including the finals. But he has made a fantastic and quicker than usual recovery. Now, why is that? Well, if you really go look at it, and I did not know this at the time, but he apparently had done it before. If you really look at some of the things, uh, we go here. Giannis, knee injury, he heard it right before the pandemic in similar fashion. And then earlier this season, he had a similar, it was called a capsular sprain at the time. So my point is simply this, let's call a spade a spade. Where I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I was incorrect in assuming that he was likely out for the rest of the NBA finals. Sure, everyone thought ACL tear, it looked bad and I said it was okay. You can take my silver lining there. But the reason why is if you think about it, and I, you hear me talk about it a lot, when you sprain your ankle, and tear ligaments in your ankle, it does this. Or your knee, it does this. When it heals, it heals like this, not like this, not as tight as before. So this is why I say when you see a bad ankle turn, if it's the first time this happens and the healing is longer, if it's the second time when it's already loose, you don't do as much damage. And I think that's what happened with Giannis. This has happened before. I did not know that which is why we have new surprises coming up for you guys related to basketball and other things. Hard to cover so many different sports. But in any case, this is his third time with this type of hyperextension injury. And that's where I misjudged it. That's why he could come back. And he's doing a great job uh, all along with that. So I wanted to clear that up and own up to any uh, perceived mistake there uh, and uh, go from there. But with that being said, um, look at this here. This is Chris Paul in game four, kind of grabbing at his left hamstring. And you can see that sleeve or that undergarment that he has on the left side all the way up. He's had a history of problems with his hamstring. And uh, it act, seemed to act up some towards the end of last series. And if you look at his performance, Chris Paul this time, had a good game one. Game two, three, started slipping. Four and five, not as effective. Going in, I think he would almost became the favorite to win the MVP title. But now he has been less than himself. I think what we're seeing in the Milwaukee and Bucks and Phoenix Sun series is Giannis's injury has been doing this. And Chris Paul has been doing this. And the two best players on each team are headed in different direction in terms of health and injury. I don't think Chris Paul's been as explosive. And I think that's due to his hamstring. Meanwhile, Giannis has proven very, very strong. And his knee, I think, is relation to his recurring knee issue. Therefore, it was easier recovery for him in terms of what's going on. All right, let's cover a couple other topics here. Uh, move on to some football-related topics. Tom Brady, the GOAT, 
lot of chatter how he played through a completely torn MC. Not happening. Not the case. There's no way that any NFL player played through an entire season with a complete ACL tear. I am not disparaging Tom Brady. He's not the one who put out the story. I just think it's a false narrative, a narrative that Tom doesn't need. He's the GOAT. He doesn't need this story to inflate what he's done and been doing. This was actually his third MCL surgery. No question he needed surgery. No question his MCL was injured. No question he's a tough guy. But also no question about a third of every team has players playing through that MCL that's a little bit stretched. Now, Tom's, this is third time. In 2008, when he tore his ACL, he tore his MCL as well. And when you tear your MCL, you know, it stretches. And that time, he actually had surgery in 2008, which is a little unusual, surgery to repair it. And that MCL wound got infected. And he needed a second surgery to wash it out. Anytime a wound is infected or tissue is infected, it doesn't heal as well. So that MCL probably, instead of healing, tearing, getting sewed and healing tight, probably, you know, frayed some. And thus, chronically, when he re-injured it in New England, it gradually got worse and worse. And thus, he ultimately needed the uh, surgery here, which he'll be fine. But I just think it's a false narrative. If you look here, when he lateral the Lombardi, Couple things you'll see right here. Obviously, I think it's a great play, but that's a little bit of a sideways movement. It was like a rugby toss that would stress your MCL. And the other, this picture and the picture of him when he came off the boat, that's not a knee brace on his left knee. That's a knee sleeve. A knee sleeve does not provide the same amount of stability as a knee brace. Now, during all games since his ACL, he wears a ACL brace on his front lead leg, left leg, and that does stabilize any end laxity. But he wasn't wearing it on a boat that potentially rocks. He was wearing a simple sleeve. That's further proof to me that it was not complete MCL tear, and it really never was. Not that big of a deal, but as Chuck Liddell said, Chuck didn't need injuries to... Uh, didn't need to, uh, to, uh, he didn't need to, to, uh, you need injuries as an excuse. And I don't think Tom's making this excuse. He played with an injured MCL. He played with the knee that needed surgery afterwards. That happens all the time in the NFL. I don't think it, I mean, he's the, he's the goat. He doesn't need anything else. I think he still is the goat with or without this injury. And uh, just glad to see that he should be ready to go again uh, come the regular season here, come training camp here, timing-wise. But it is his third MCL surgery. Let's go a little more here to Saquon Barkley. You guys remember when we talked about Saquon Barkley, there was all this video of Saquon Barkley. Look at how good he is. He's going to be great. He's ready to go. And on this podcast and at OutKick, we talked about Saquon Barkley. What does it really mean? Uh, yes, he had additional injuries. 
But at the time, he said, look, he looks great in video, but we pointed out where he wasn't 100%. Now what do we hear? Quote, I don't know. We'll see. His annual camp. Will he be full goal to start train camp? I don't know. We'll see, he said. Same answer for week one of the season. I don't know. We'll see. Saquon Barkley is doing very well. And don't be afraid of what's coming out here. But he's not 100%. He won't be 100% week one of the season. He'll get there. He's going to do well this year. Uh, but I don't expect, I expect his latter half of the season to be better than the first half of the season. All right, let's cover up some other, cover some other things here. Uh, what do we have here? Oh, this was super interesting and unusual. Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Four people tore their AC, tore their Achilles in the same workout. Linebacker Larry Dean, DB Nelson Lacombo, DN Freddie Bishop, running back Jonathan Femi Cole. Crazy. Four Achilles tears for a team during all of training camp would be unheard of. Four in a season is unheard of. Four in one day at the same practice? I'm still trying to figure that out why. And apparently coaches weren't really on the field. Was it an, a lack of acclimation deal? Maybe. Really don't know for sure. I mean, the bottom line is uh, that that's just craziness in terms of what's happening there. Um, we'll have to figure that out. Let's see. What else we got here before we wind up here? Uh, Michael Irvin. Excuse me for one. Michael Irvin. If you really look at what what Michael Irvin is saying here is interesting. If you're unvaccinated, that means you don't want to win badly enough. Now, I've been saying for a while now, I'm not saying whether vaccines are great, they're not great. I'm vaccinated. I get it. It's an individual decision. And I think that's what Michael Irvin is saying here too. Because, and this is what I've been saying, because of the competitive advantages to getting vaccinated. Because they're significant. I'm not saying it's right. You've probably seen me tweeting and talking about the vaccine carrot. That vaccine carrot is big. It is absolutely a competitive advantage, not only for practices, but potential sit-outs for the inevitable positive test due to close contacts. There are huge advantages to having your team in the 85% threshold, huge advantages to being vaccinated. I do believe you should be vaccinated, an adult. We don't need to talk about kids. You can argue whether 25-year-olds need to be vaccinated or not. Look, the rules are the rules. The NFL rules agreed to by the PA are set up to favor the teams that are vaccinated. So what Michael Irving is said saying here is legitimate. And sure enough, where are we at now? 13 NFL teams over 85%. There's a couple apparently still below 50, but 13. So for a couple months, I've been saying 
the vast majority of NFL teams will become vaccinated because of the competitive advantage. That's what Michael Irvin's saying. Now we're at 13. My guess is by this training camp in another week, we'll be well over 50%. By the time the season rolls around, I think it will be few and far between the team that isn't all the way there. I, I can't guarantee 32 out of 32, but it'll be high 20s, if not 30s, uh, in terms of the number of teams that reach the 85% threshold, just because the way the deal is set up. That's where the advantage is. All right, and then um, this was an interesting tidbit that I saw, and we'll end with the, this week here. The NFL has been trying to get to 18 regular season games for more than a decade. You guys have heard me before, I said, when they added 17 games, I said, why didn't they add a second bye week, right? More TV, more revenue. We've talked about that concept. Second bye week helps player health. It offsets the adding the length of the season. I think I finally figured it out. The, the only reason I got, and I think it was from, uh, from uh, Amy, uh, blanking on her name right now, Amy Trask, Raiders uh, uh, extraordinaire. Anyways, TV might not love the dilution of the game. But let me tell you, the way games are going, the way the quality, it's not TV. I think the reason, the NFL is always hard. They're the smartest people around. I think they saw a second bye week with a 17-week regular season, 17 regular season games as feasible. But I think they're saving that second bye week concept for when they add 18 games to get to a 20-week regular season with 18 regular season games. I think that's what they're waiting for because 18 is ultimately their goal. So to me, it's always fun to figure out mysteries here and there, but that's my thought. I always thought my reasonable, most of you listeners thought it was reasonable, but I think I finally figured out why the NFL didn't push for a second bye week with the 17th game because they're waiting for that 18th game to push that second bye week concept to get that through. Anyways, uh, thanks for watching Pro Football Doc podcast and listening. Thanks to Chuck Liddell for coming on. I appreciate that. I thought that was good insight to sports in general and timely in nature. And uh, lots of new seasons coming. I already did a, a fantasy draft. Scott Fishbowl 11. Um, someone told me, I, at least by standard uh, fantasy pros projections, that I ranked pretty well in the draft. But didn't get the quarterbacks that I wanted. I had to, last year I was lucky in Scott Fishbowl 10 where, where I drafted, uh, actually I'll show you where my draft is while we're here. Why not? I'll show you, let's find it. Here's my draft where we're still not done. Actually, here we go. Actually, I'm up on the clock. So guys, who should I draft? Help me. Um, so this is the Roots League division in Scott Fishbowl 11. So I had the fifth pick. I draft Travis Kelsey. Last year, people in my league thought I was zero running backs. No, I just didn't have any value. And then I drafted later and later the running backs. And I drafted Patrick Mahomes first last year, Tyreek Hill second, and Aaron Rodgers in the third round. 
and they, they rode me to a league or division, whatever you call it, just the, among the 12 guys, first place in the regular season and into the playoffs. This year, you can see I'm a little lower on the quarterbacks. I got Cousins in five and waited too long and ended up with Daniel Jones. But meanwhile, Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, Miles Gaskin, Terry McLaurin, et cetera, et cetera. Some backup with James Winston. Two kickers. Yeah, the two kickers we need this year. Uh, this was a glitch in the programming. I did not actually pick the second kicker, but I didn't complain about it. We just let it go. And I'm up on the board next. So uh, having some fun, a couple other fantasy drafts coming up. But we're going to have our preseason preview out shortly, working on that. Some draft information out, profootballdoc.com. Look for lots of new announcements. Give us a nice rating on the podcast here. Sorry for the short vacation, but it was worth it for my son in the July 4th holiday. And thanks to Chuck Liddell. Thank you, thanks to all you guys for watching. And uh, we'll see you next week. And as the season really hours ahead, training camp start next week. Pro Football Doc, back full force and stronger with new announcements to come. Thanks for watching and listening.